1: Welcome to the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts, and uh, this is our second podcast this week. We did uh, pretty much our regular thing uh, yesterday. Uh, Meg, our intern, uh, sub for Trevor, who's not feeling well this week, so. Uh, have two a uh, podcast uh, ready to go this week, so uh, really excited uh, for this one uh, because it uh, for one reason it ties into a new album that's uh, coming out today, but uh, also uh, just one of my favorite acts of, of all time. It's Mary Chapin Carpenter here on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. If uh, you're a country music fan, you know how big she's been uh, over the years on the country charts, uh, chart-wise: uh, twenty-eight Hot Country Songs hits, nine top tens, one number one. Shut up and kiss me in uh, nineteen ninety-four. And uh, it's actually same same number of top tens on our uh, Top Country Albums chart, uh, nine top tens, one number one. Uh, this decade, she's uh, segued a little bit more away from country and uh, she's had uh, huge success on our Americana Folk Albums chart, uh, four top tens this decade, including a number one. So uh, 30 years into her career, she just continues to have chart hits and, and just be a, a vital uh, uh, singer-songwriter in uh, the folk Americana country world. So uh, I don't think I... Gosh, too much? i right, Maybe I do. I feel like I probably do. But uh, you'll hear Mary Chapin Carpenter seems uh, really excited to talk about her time, uh, 30 years looking back. And she kind of says she never really looked back uh, before and realized, wow, it's it's been 30 years. But uh, her influence has just been uh, so great. Uh, Grammy Awards she'd won uh, Grammy Awards in four straight years in the 90s when you know, women were uh, such a force on the country charts in the early and mid 90s, uh, sort of an aberration when you look at uh, country chart history. So she talks about that too. And, uh, her new album again Sometimes Just the Sky, it's out today, uh, reworks some of her uh, songs from uh, her catalog and uh, as she'll say, it kind of wasn't the plan to to put this out, but it came together so well that uh, we got a new album uh, from Mary Chapin Carpenter. Again, that's out today. So, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the new album, some of her biggest hits, uh, maybe uh, in some ways her biggest album uh, from 1992, Come On, Come On, and uh, interesting backstory about that coming up. So, uh, me, super fan, uh, and Mary Chapin Carpenter on The Billboard JRP Podcast.
0: I'm standing here freezing at a phone booth, baby, in the middle of God knows where. I got one quarter left, your machine.
1: Gary Chapman Carpenter, welcome to the Billboard Sharpie podcast.
0: Thank you, Gary.
1: It's an honor uh, to have you on. Uh, I can ask you uh, so many different things about your new album, uh, sometimes just the sky and uh, just the, your career as well. But I uh, just wanted to ask you, you, you told Billboard earlier this year, a month or so ago, you did an interview with us where uh, you look back 30 years. You've been recording and you you said you're still amazed by that. You, you think maybe at this time right. you're, you're you're used to it, but you said I, it no, still, still surprises I, me
0: it i mean it, it's just hard to wrap my brain around all all those years that they you know that it really has been that many years and i mean I, I, I you know what goes along with that of course is just tremendous appreciation and and you know gratitude that that i'm still able to to be out here in the world and play music and touring and writing songs and so forth but it's you know it's just when you stop and you consider the passage of time, it's, it's, it starts, you know, it becomes a very existential thing. And, and it's just hard to sort of, you know, think of it as, as just this, this block of time that's just gone so quickly. That's how it feels.
1: Too. Yeah. Yeah. You ha- know, so. Have you not really stopped at any point during your career and look back? Was this, uh, uh doing this no. new album 30 years? Ago? Wow. That, yeah. It's been pretty good. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's up until now, I have not sort of, uh, done any projects or or thought about you know sort of you know f-
2: f- you know
0: putting a stake in the ground and saying ah here's an anniversary or here's a here's an opportunity to do a, a greatest hits or you know what i mean it's it's, right. it's it's i've just never i never have really sort of stopped to to consider those sort of uh, markers of time
1: well i gotta say yeah, you 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 got me into country slash folk music around uh, 1990. It was uh, for me. It was it was you win again. Uh, your, your hit that year. It just, oh, just, you're kidding. Oh no. It oh just, my gosh. Yeah. No, it just opened up a whole new world for me as a you know a pop fan as a teen. Suddenly, I heard the song that just was so much more organic, and, and the lyrics were just deeper than than other music I'd heard. And uh, John Jennings' oh, amazing production, yeah. your your sense of melody. It just, yeah. No, you're. I'll I'll, I'll I'll gush a little bit. You're, you're still the benchmark. You know for that that. Uh, you know, Oh. Pop folk sound uh, for for any act that, that comes along since.
0: Wow. Well, that's very kind of you to say that. And uh, I, you know, gosh, that that song that <laughs> I haven't thought of that song for quite a while too. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> and my 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 dear beloved friend John, he's he passed away a few right. years ago, and I don't think I'll ever stop missing him. Uh, miss him every day. You know. So, but I boy, you
1: know, it's, life's crazy, so. Yeah, hmm. well, I'll, I'll tell you, too, I, I, first time I saw you in concert, I don't know if you remember, if you remember that song, but you remember the show was uh, Brown University 1992, and Lisa Loeb was the opening act. This is two years before oh. STAY came along.
0: Oh, yeah, you know, what do they have? Like, every year, they have a spring concert series, or, you know, it's like, like a, there's a, there's a name for it it Brown. I can't remember what it is, but I remember, you know, when I was there as a student, Bonnie Raitt came and played on the athletic fields and yeah. it was the, so much fun and it was so great. And, um, to, to, to go back after so many years and sort of, you know, play in that slot. And I think it was in the hockey rink though, cause it was pouring rain. Yeah. I think it um, was. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was not outside, unfortunately. So, uh, the spring part of it was sort of, yeah. uh, in name only,
1: right. So so the new album, so everybody knows that's out March 30th, sometimes just the sky is the title. So it it reworks album cuts, not necessarily uh, obvious hit singles, but uh, one uh, from each of your studio albums, along with the new title cut. Uh, How'd you get Mm -hmm. the idea, Mary Chapin, uh, for this album and uh, the idea to reimagine these songs? I I think you've said that you didn't want to pick the obvious hit singles. You wanted to take some deeper cuts and kind of make it new for, for you and for fans as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you've pretty much summed it up. Um, it was last year that, uh, or the beginning of last year that the, the idea I was talking to my manager and, and, and we were sort of tra- throwing ideas around. This was the first, you know, someone actually on, this is so 2018, but someone on Twitter had made the point of saying it's been 30 years since, uh, my first record. And that was the first time that I, you know, thought about it. And uh, so we were thinking, you know, well, here's a chance to, to maybe, you know, record something and, and just, you know, release it as a, you know, one-off kind of thing, maybe an album of covers or maybe uh, some outtakes or, you know, just something to sort of uh, acknowledge the 30 year anniversary of making records. And, and Chris, my manager, I, I think it was his idea to say, well, why don't we take some, you know, one song from every album and uh, re-record it and, um, and then put one new song on there and, and just, you know, like, again, very sort of casually release it. And we were going to, it was going to come out last summer. And so what ended up happening is I, I was fortunate enough to, to um, work with Ethan Johns and, I went over to England and and worked at the wonderful uh, real world studios, Peter Gabriel's amazing compound. And very quickly after a few songs, we all felt that it was not as casual a a project as I think we uh, expected it to be. It just, and, and that was a Testament to, you know, Ethan's production mind and the wonderful players that he gathered as well. And every song was taking on a a really different kind of feeling and, and just, it was just very different from, from everything I had done previously. And we, we decided that actually we wanted to release it sort of as a new record and sort of give it the time to be set up that way and, and promoted that way, because it did feel so sort of different from the original recordings and it had its own sort of life. And, uh, so that's sort of how it ended up in the form that it is now and, and why it took a little longer to,
1: to, to put it out. Right. Here's a two part yeah. question. Uh, did, okay. did, did you want to change any lyrics to any of these songs or just look back and say, yeah, you know what, these, these are pretty good. I, did, I wrote some good songs.
0: I, no, I'm so glad you asked that question. I did change some lyrics. Um, nothing that I think would alter someone's understanding or sense of what the song was saying or whatever but it i'm trying to think of an example really quick um like uh in heroes and heroines there's a line i think it's in the second verse it said the original line was ladies and their men get by on six guns and white lightning and i think i sang it in the new record women and their men get by now why i sang it that way i don't know but i was just you know i was i wasn't you know you know, strictly reading my lyric sheet or whatever, it just kind of happened that way. Right. And it felt totally fine to keep it, you know? Um, so there are little tiny sort of switches in a, in a couple of different places, um, but nothing that, again, would, I think, you know, truly change the essence of the song. This shirt is old and faded, all the colors washed away. I've had it now for more damn years than I can count anyway. I wear it beneath my jacket with the collar turned
1: up high. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
0: so old i should replace it but i'm not about
1: to try all right here's uh, here's part two here's here's partly okay. why i asked that question this shirt which is okay. a, s- such a classic uh, of yours uh that line the, the lyric where uh uh this shirt is where your cat decided to give birth to five and mm-hmm. he wept yeah. when the last one died so uh, you had your yeah. chance to to not make that so heartbreaking the, that last kitten oh made it this god
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> but then i would be changing i'd be rewriting history right because that that was a true story i was gonna so, ask you,
1: what, what is, is that song based on is it entirely true or mostly true
0: it entirely entirely
1: true really
0: yeah i mean i and and i think i mean i i i say that if only i or i illustrate that i think because i don't think i would like come up with the i don't think if it hadn't happened i would have come up with the image of a cat giving birth on my shirt. Right. <laughs> I just <laughs> I, and I was, you know, and I think some and you know, every once in a while um I'll play that song. Well, not every once in a while. It happens quite often. Um I can I can hear some sort of gentle laughter in the audience. Like they and they in other words they perhaps haven't heard the song before and then they're sort of surprised and kind of amused by that they, it sort of sounds comical or sweet or something like that. Right. And there's a sort of gentle laughter. And and again, I, I, I just don't think I would have – that wouldn't have been what I – if I was trying to make it up, I don't think that's what I would have made up, you know. So it did happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> No, that's that's one of your all time classics. Um, it, the new title cut is is a great new song as well. I I really love how it's it's about four minutes. Thank you of, so much. Oh, sure, it, it's you know, four minutes of a really gentle folk song, and it, it's got a really cool uh, coda where for the last two minutes it just moves into a more up tempo uh, uh, rock yeah. direction. It just, uh, well, just a we great just new didn't
0: want to we didn't want to stop. We were enjoying ourselves.
1: Right. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you have any favorite songs from your career, hits or deep album cuts, just overall, just looking back at these 30 years?
0: Well, uh, th- that's a good question from the standpoint of – to. Um, so there's a song on the new record called Superman, and um, that song was a B-side back in the day when singles were put out, at least my singles were put out, and it had B-sides. Right. Um, so that was a, an extra track that didn't make the record, but I always loved that song. And it always was a disappointment to me that it didn't make the record. And I don't even remember what the reasons were other than probably had too many songs, which is sort of what usually happens. And, um, so that, that's a song that I've always loved and I've always wanted it to be on an album. And so this was my chance, you know. Uh, to do that. And the thing, the thing about this record to me, this is how I feel about it, is that while these songs all, you know, they span 30 years of making records, you know, from the beginning to the present, um, they, it's like, I, I feel like if no, I would like to believe that if, if someone wasn't familiar with all of that music and they encountered this new record, that, that the songs do connect to one another. They don't feel like these, you know, disparate pieces from different lives, you know. They 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 do all sort of thematically connect to each other. And that wasn't on purpose, but that's sort of what mystically, magically happens somehow. And they feel like they all belong together to me on this album.
1: Yeah, it's kind of what you were saying. It started out as just uh, we'll put out some single songs, and all of a sudden you realize mm-hmm. it. Just it, is that kind of what happens when you you go to make an album? It just sort of takes on its own life and maybe becomes something different yeah. than you might have expected.
0: Yeah, it does. Or 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 what I, what it's always felt like to me when I when I've gone it when I I sort of reach a point in my writing where uh, I feel like ah, uh, I've got I think I have. I'm ready, I'm ready to take all of these songs that I've been working on for the last, let's say, three years, and I'm ready to go into the studio and, and, uh, and so here we go, and we go into the studio, and somehow, over the course of those sessions, it always seems to happen where all these songs, they seem to, all of a sudden, magically, or again, sort of mysteriously, like a, a sort of, thematically it starts to reveal itself as a whole and they do all feel connected and but it but I wouldn't necessarily know or feel that way on that first day walking in right but by the end they do feel stitched together and they do seem to support each other that's that's how it feels it's a magical sort of process to me that's why I love recording something. she's 33 this time around She's always been real good at listening Her sense of humor never lets her down Except sometimes there's something missing Hey, middle crowd
1: I just want to ask you a few more uh, questions sure. uh, i've already uh, jogged your memory but you win again maybe uh, this shirt uh <laughs> is middle ground one of your favorite songs ah 1990 90,
0: 91 okay i'm gonna tell you something that's so silly but well i mean it's not like i'm gonna say no i don't like that song anymore i mean i there was a it came out of some you know came out of some sort of thought and idea and 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 real life kind of feelings um but it was this time, I think this is so crazy, but I remember I went on a date with a fellow and it was right around after, it was sometime soon after that, the album came out that that song was on. Right, And I remember sitting, we were at a bar in Washington, D.C. and I don't know what I said, but the next thing that happened is he turned around and he started quoting Lyrics from Middle Ground to me, that I, I don't know. I, gosh, I, I remember if I had it in front of me, I could probably pick out which ones they were. But it was so like, ew, don't do this, gross. Ugh, I can't get away from you fast enough. Ah. and it was like, no, don't do that. You know, don't. Oh, I don't know how to explain it, but I was so, I was so, it was creeped out by it. That <laughs> I think it's it sort of wrecked me on that song. So,
1: isn't that terrible? <laughs> so it was, just, it was just too weird. Someone trying to date you and you just, uh,
0: yeah, or something, or, or it was like, he was trying to sort of like, what was the lyric? Shoot. Um I don't know. It was like one of the lyrics about, you know, she's alone or something like this. And, and he was quoting about like, honey, just stick with me and I'll, I'll fix it for you or something. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It was kind of like that. It was like he, he, it wasn't to impress me that he knew the song. It was more like he was sort of saying, I have insight into you, you know? And I was like, gross! No, you don't. Bye-bye. Well,
1: that's got to be weird if you're an artist and you're, you're, you're dating <laughs> someone. That's got to be so a strange dynamic.
0: It was, it was totally weird, and I was horrified. And,
1: uh, needless to
0: say, we didn't go out again. <laughs> <laughs> ah! For 15 years, she had a job and not one raise and Now she's in the typing pool at Pendamon Way
1: 1992 uh that was uh, when you started uh, a run of winning Grammy awards in four straight years 92 to 95 oh. and yeah, and you, and, well, you, know, you and other women were completely dominating country music at that time. Trisha Yearwood, Patti Loveless, Winona, so many others. Uh, you know, you look at the history of country and it's just – at this point, it really stands out, uh, the 90s, as, as an anomaly. Mm. And then you had you know, Shania Twain and Dixie Chicks selling uh, huge numbers by the end of the decade. But uh, were you and maybe some of the other women artists in, in that uh, specific period, were you – were you conscious that women uh, were doing so well uh, and and really hadn't uh, been done that before? And, and, you know, given the context of what's going on now, did you, did you feel certain barriers uh, that you were facing that maybe, maybe male artists uh, never did?
0: I, I never sort of, as it was happening, I don't think I had a a notion of, oh, this is a breakthrough or um, this is a particularly powerful chapter for, for women in music. I, I wasn't a scholar of the charts or the history of, of you know, the genre. So it, it wasn't something that I think I was particularly aware of. Uh, that said, you know, the comment that the gentleman, the Grammys, made this year about women needing to step up or something like that.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, that was laughable to me, you know. I just found that to be so... Difficult to understand that he that was his sort of take on it. And I, I realized he's tried to walk it back. But, um, you know, it's just it's it, I don't think it was the right response.
1: Well, your know, your song. He he thinks he'll keep her. I feel like it was groundbreaking mm. at the time, and maybe now it, it resonates uh, even more to have a song that was just so. Uh, women are going to say, "Yeah, we're going to say what we're thinking," and, and for that song to become a hit, then uh, always kind of stood out. And, and now I just feel like it maybe has, a, you has know, a whole different light. The
0: the the sort of the anecdote for that song, um, which I you know co-wrote with Don Schlitz, wonderful right. wonderful songwriter. Right. Um, I submitted it you know, submitted the whole record to uh, the record label. Um, That's another story in and of itself, but uh, the response to uh, he thinks he'll keep her from the uh, promotion department for radio is they were, they weren't keen to release it or to push it. They didn't feel like it had a good chance because they felt that it was a, a man bashing song. And that was a quote, a man bashing song. And I, Schlitz and I always were like, what, you know, that that's so not where we're coming from. And I, I could tell you however many gazillions of, you know, young men and, and, and fellows that I would hear from who'd say, I realize that the protagonist of that song is a woman, but that speaks to my life as well. Right. You know, it's about relationships. It's, a, it's about, you know, being taken for granted, whoever you are. Um, and needless to say, um, thankfully, uh, radio didn't think of it as a man bashing song in it
1: anyway. No, it was the sixth single, which always surprised me. Obviously the first five were great too, but I'm like, how how did this wait to be the
0: sixth single? That was the other story I was going to ever so briefly touch on. And that is when I, when I submitted the song, the the album to that, um, to the record label, I remember being at dinner with the, the heads of the label and. They said, well, we've got a problem. And then they said, what's that? And they go, we don't hear any singles on this record. And, um, I remember wanting to slide underneath the table and disappear. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I couldn't believe it. I, I was just astonished. And, um, thankfully that, that isn't what happened, but that's what their first response was. And thankfully we had some wonderful supportive people within the label who, who felt differently and, and worked their butts off to, to make sure the songs were heard. And, and so that record, you know, ended up being five times platinum. So Right.
1: It had, uh, yeah. just just so those record people know it, wound up with uh, seven top 20 singles on our Hot Country songs. Yeah.
0: Track. Yeah. It's
1: crazy. So they didn't hear a song like uh, like, like uh, Passionate Kisses or I Feel nope. Lucky? That's crazy. Nope. Yeah, I know. Wow.
0: Well, you know, it's like, I, I think it happens in certain sort of insular places where, you're afraid to like something unless you see someone else like it first, and um, or or you just feel like you're walking a tightrope and it's hard to to feel like there's net beneath you. And I understand that, um, but that's that's why it was great that you know some other people took different positions. And you know, it, it, I, I always felt like my relationship with the record company was it's like a marriage. You you find ways to work together and find compromises, and and it's important for both. Both parties to to feel like you're you're doing right by each other, and um, that's how I always felt about my relationship with Columbia. And I'll never I'll never forget how wonderful it was. It was great.
1: Yeah, I I feel like in in two thousand four when you released the uh, Between Here and Gone album, you kind of marks the the point where you went in a more uh, all out uh, folky. A less country direction was that. Is that a conscious choice? Was it just uh, where your music was going? Uh, just as you wrote it, it I, just just happened. It's just it's just
0: those. That's where the songs were going. That's where I was going. And I don't really think of it as folky so much as just I I I didn't feel yeah you know, I just wasn't I just, I don't know how to explain it. It's just sort of it was this organic direction. It, it, it wasn't. And again, it, it to me. It, For me, it didn't feel as if I was all of a sudden turning right or turning left or, you know, going some different direction. I was just going where it felt natural to go. And and, you know, that's that's where I that's how I landed to where I am now, you know, where I am now. But it wasn't it wasn't a conscious thing. It just just felt authentic. Right
1: what uh, what music do you listen to now mary Chapin? what are some of your favorite uh current acts?
0: oh my gosh i listen to I listen to a lot of classical music actually a lot oh. of choral music that's my favorite um and um I don't know gosh i like uh, there's certain singer songwriters that I just revere people like gregory allen Isakoff and um gosh you know people like uh, that I'll always revere like Randy Newman and just uh You know, rock and roll and bluegrass, Celtic music, a lot of traditional music, just lots of stuff.
1: Mary Chip, and this is just an absolute thrill to uh, have you on the podcast. Uh, the new album, again, sometimes just the sky latest in just an incredible uh, career uh, of music. And uh, as you said, uh, even for fans who, who might know these songs originally, uh, it's, it's almost like they're new uh, this time around. So uh, it's, it's kind of like we're getting a new album. And, and I think you told Billboard earlier this year, you're, you're already writing new songs. So uh, album of new material yeah. is on the way, too, right?
0: That's right. That's right. Gary, thanks so much for talking to me.
1: All right. Mary Chaffin, uh, thank you so much. Uh, best of luck with the new album. It's a pleasure. Talk to you soon.
0: Sometimes
1: everything at once,
0: but sometimes just the sky. Sometimes just
1: the sky.